Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today we have a dear friend of the ministry, Dr. Rob Lindstedt, here to discuss the true power of the cross. And Greg Patton will be living in today's world. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, our next in-person conference, will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Speakers include Bill Federer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Greg Patton, Dr. Ken Lindau, and Larry Stamm. Registration is now open. Visit swrc.com and click on Conferences at the top of the homepage. Registration is free, but required. Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit swrc.com. Let's welcome staff evangelist James Collins and Dr. Rob Lindstedt now as they discuss the power of the cross. Each year around this time, we see the sights and hear the sounds of Christmas. And regardless of how many Santa displays you see or how many times Grandma got run over by a reindeer you hear on the radio, the real meaning of Christmas is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, as important as the birth of Christ is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is even more important. Joining me to talk about the cross of Christ is Dr. Robert Lindstedt. Dr. Lindstedt has a Ph.D. in mechanical engineering, and he taught for nine years in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Wichita State University in Wichita, Kansas. Since leaving WSU in 1979, he has been devoted full-time to the Lord's work. Dr. Lindstedt has spoken at numerous Bible conferences, prophecy conferences, and at youth camps in over 35 states, as well as in Canada, Scotland, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. Dr. Lindstedt takes a special interest in working with young people, and he is the executive director of Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita. He's the author of several books, including the one that we're going to talk about today, The Power of the Cross. Dr. Lindstedt, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Thanks, James. It's so good to be back with you guys there at Southwest Radio Church. Well, Dr. Lindstedt, it's been a while since you've been on our program, so for those listening who may not be familiar with you, would you share your testimony? How did you come to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? James, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My father was an evangelist, and I knew by his commitment to Christ, he came to know the Lord from a family that lived in Chicago. They weren't churchgoers, and by the grace of God, he was saved as he played a trumpet at a revival meeting. And from that moment on, he lived Christ. And he and my mother were the best examples of Christianity that I could ever have hoped for. And so I knew that the gospel was real because I saw he was a very bright man. And I saw his dedication to the scripture. I saw his zeal for winning souls. And one night, he and a preaching partner that he had, they were preaching here in Wichita, Kansas. And they preached heaven beautiful, and they preached hell hot. Yes, sir. And I knew enough about the Bible that I knew that those things were real. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I'd never personally received Christ as my Savior. And so I went down and talked to my father that night, and he used John 3.36, He that hath the Son has life. Mm-hmm. 
And he that has not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And my father said, there's only two parts of that verse, and you're in one or the other. I said, wow, Dad, I'm, I'm the part that doesn't have life. And so he simply went through the gospel, and I suddenly saw that, you know, what I was missing, I believed in Jesus, I believed that he died, I believed that he rose again, but I never personally accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for my sin. Hmm. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But by God's grace, Jesus paid the debt of my sin, and that night I saw it, and I received him, and that was it for me. And from that point on, I've enjoyed knowing that my sins are forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I always love to hear how men of God got called to the ministry. How did God call you to preach the gospel? I was working at IBM in the research division on the East Coast. And the more I studied scripture, and it was during a time when Israel was very much in the news, I was talking to my father on the phone, and I just said, wow, Dad, if these things are coming true, just like the Bible says, it means that we could be at the very time when Christ is coming back. And my father said, you know, that's exactly right. And the more I thought about earning a living as a research engineer, and don't get me wrong, I love engineering, I love math, I still teach the calculus classes here at Sunrise Christian Academy. But what I loved more was the fact that that I knew that I was going to live in heaven. And I knew that the Bible promised that, that never had entered into my mind all the wonderful things there. And never had it entered into my mind what Christ was going to show me in heaven. And the more I thought about the fact that I might be alive when Christ was coming back, I thought, wow, that's more exciting than anything else I could do. And so I decided to leave IBM and the research center there come back and begin to teach because I knew at the university teaching there I would have access to so many students and I knew that many of those students are searching for meaning to life some of them from America some from other countries and I really began to fall in love with international students because I saw that they were searching they didn't find what they wanted in their country and I knew they wouldn't find what they wanted in our country because you can never satisfy your soul until you come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I decided that that would become our mission field. And so we went back to teach and to try to work with young people. Well, Dr. Lynn said, I'm excited about your book, The Power of the Cross. My wife and I both read the book, and we were really blessed by it. How did you come to write The Power of the Cross? I was doing a series at the local church that I was attending. It started out with one or two messages on the sayings of Christ from the cross, those sayings of Christ from the cross, every time a person studies those simple sayings, I mean, they're just phrases, but it showed several things. It showed the love of God, Mm -hmm. and it showed the plan of God, and it showed the total price, the huge price that God allowed Jesus to pay for the salvation of any and every soul. And so I wasn't planning to do all seven, but by the time I was done, I'd done all seven, and then I began to think, Wow, there's some other things concerning the crucifixion because there was such a paradox. You know, people thought, okay, some religions almost feel sorry for Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. He was the victor on the right. cross. He was the victor. And I saw the majesty that he displayed on the cross. And I saw that the whole thing was crowned by the resurrection from the dead. No religion can compete with what we have in Christianity. But the pivotal point in all of humanity's history is the cross, because there, a holy God in a sinful man could be reconciled. 
You know, Dr. Lynn said at this time of year, the birth of Jesus Christ gets a month or two months worth of messages in a lot of churches, but only one come Resurrection Sunday. Why do you think the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been so downplayed today? There was a time, James, when I almost didn't celebrate Christmas, and I've converted. I celebrate Christmas now. Part of it is because I found some things as I traveled to Israel. And it was the idea that he was born not in a stable like we know, like in a barn. People have a picture as a barn, but right. it was probably in a cave. It was the lowest thing. And I began to connect the scene of the shepherds, and they were in the Megdali Dars. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we can do that series sometime on Southwest, because it changed my whole thinking on Christmas. But here's the thing. He could have been born. He could have been a great preacher. He could have been a great healer and a great supplier of food. But there was something that we had that was a bigger problem. The bigger problem was my sin. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, I think Satan doesn't mind if we celebrate the birth of Christ. Right. But he doesn't want us to celebrate the victory at the cross and Amen, the victory yeah. at the tomb. And so, really, the virgin birth is a part of the gospel. It's an important part of the gospel. We're not diminishing that. But you see, that's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. The whole story is on the cross. When we cross out, it is finished. Wow, there's the story. And when they go three days later and they look at the tomb, it's empty. Amen. There's the story. And so I think Satan, he wants us to believe in Jesus. That doesn't affect him. But he just doesn't want us to accept Christ as Savior. They accept him as the Lord of our life. That's what roused the devil up. And so I think the complete story is the birth the death, the resurrection of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, here's the gospel. And it talks about the fact that according to the scripture, this was an unscripted. Mm-hmm. No, God the Father inspired the scripture through the Holy Spirit. And he said, these are the things that will occur. And Jesus Christ on the cross fulfilled one after another after another to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was a plan orchestrated by God from eternity past and it had present consequences. It forgave my sin. It has future consequences. I'm safe for eternity. I'm going to be with Jesus Christ in heaven above. If you're just joining us today on The Watchman on the Wall, my guest is Dr. Rob Lindstead. Beacon Street Press has just released his book, The Power of the Cross, and it's fantastic. You can get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Dr. Lindstedt, you had mentioned the seven sayings from the cross. The first half of the book, The Power of the Cross, focuses on those seven sayings. You mentioned that they're very, very significant, but you write that the seven sayings had their source in the Old Testament. In other words, the seven sayings were fulfilled prophecy. Would you elaborate on that? That's what's so neat about the script that God provided for our salvation. To really appreciate those sayings, they're all bedded, as you mentioned, in the Old Testament. In other words, God predicted years ahead of time, this is what the Messiah would do. There's no doubt he's the Messiah. When you see these seven saints from the cross, and you see how they're embedded in the Old Testament, he's the one. We're not looking for another one. We haven't missed one that came before. He's the very one. And so these saints are, are so important, for example. Father, forgive them. Now, to me, what's incredible, he said that 
when he's on the cross. Mm-hmm. From time to time, you know, people will say something critical of you or they'll insult you. And sometimes we deserve it. Sometimes we don't. But sometimes it takes us years. It may take us a lifetime to forgive people. Here's Jesus, no sin of his own, on the cross bearing my sin, my horrible sin, my sin that was bad enough to send me to hell. He's bearing it. He's taking my place. And they're crucifying him. And as they're driving the nails in his hands and his feet, and as they're brutalizing him, he says, Father, forgive him. Mm. He didn't have to wait a day. He didn't have to wait a month. No. He was willing to forgive him right then. Those people at the cross doing that horrible deed, already he was forgiving them. And he would ask God to forgive them in view of his death and his sacrifice. Only God could do that. Only God could. That's not what we as men do. We hold our grudges. And so to me, that's just one of the examples. I think of another one where he cries, I thirst. Mm-hmm. This is the living water. This is the person that gave water to the woman at the well that was a horrible sinner. And by the time he's done, he not only gives her living water, but he gives her spiritual living water that would change your life. And he's the one that invented H2O. He's the one that made oceans and rivers. And this person on the cross bearing my sin, he says, I thirst. And really, James, that's only half the story. Here's another part of the story that, to me, just goes beyond belief. Do you know that a Roman soldier, every Roman soldier has two things that's personally his. One is his sword. Mm-hmm. It's measured and weighed for his hand. And the other is a sponge. And this is a pretty graphic thing. And because, you see, the Roman soldiers, they went so many places. And hygiene was such an important thing. And so they ran. They took a sponge. They put it to his mouth. Do you know what that sponge was used for? Mm. That sponge was used to, to clean the debris from the body. Right. I can't even imagine me as a person having a defiled sponge put to my mouth. Can you imagine the creator of the universe, the one who had no sin, bearing that? Why did he do that? He did it for me. That's how horrible my sin was. And so this whole scene at the cross, these sayings of the cross, they show that he's God. He's the living God of the universe. He's the creator of God. He's the savior of every person who would come to him and say, Lord God, I'm short of your standard. And they would know that Christ's blood was sufficient payment before a holy God that completely saved them from their sin. Well, Dr. Lindstedt, you mentioned there, Father, forgive them, the first saying from the cross. The second saying from the cross is when Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He said that to a thief that was crucified next to him. Would you unpack that verse for us? Yeah, that's a wonderful saying because a couple things. Number one, think about the first Adam, the Adam of Garden of Eden. And that Adam, by his sin, lost paradise. And he and his wife became thieves. They stole fruit from God's tree that was not allowed for them. And now here's the last Adam. Here's Jesus. And you know what he does? On the cross, he promises paradise to a thief. Mm -hmm. And so everything that we failed at, that Adam and Eve failed at, and we as men and women fail at, Christ on the cross puts it together. He makes it so that he can promise it. 
Here's what I like about that. What could that thief do to merit salvation? Nothing. His feet, his hands were nailed there. He couldn't be baptized to be saved. He couldn't go out and do good works to be saved. No. The only thing he could do, he could look at a man that had been cursed, that had been brutalized. He could look at him and say, you know what, this really is the Son of God. He could believe what he had heard Jesus say, that he was willing to forgive sins of anyone who would believe in him. And that thief on the cross, no other way to respond other than to put his trust in him. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That's about the best guarantee a dying man could ever have. Amen. Well, Jesus also teaches us something about the importance of human relationships in the third saying from the cross. And we find that in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. There we read, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. So on the cross when the Lord was dying and agonizing death, he made sure that his mother would be looked after. What are your thoughts on that passage, Dr. Lindstedt? To me, the amazing thing is this. You would think when a man is there dying a horrible death, suffering an agony, he would be concerned for himself. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, many people, most of the people that were crucified, they were cursing at the people that were doing this deadly deed. But the Lord Jesus knew his concern, even on the cross, was for others, for his mother, to make sure that she was taken care of because she was a faithful follower of him. Mm. And so the human relationship did not end, did not stop, but was fulfilled with him on the cross. His tenderness, his care, to me that's touching because, you know, we can go from one ditch to another. We can say those human relationships aren't important. No, they're very important. Jesus demonstrates how important that is because He makes sure that she's provided for in a physical way while he is taking care of her in a spiritual way. Mary had to accept Christ as her Savior, too. Mm -hmm. This one that was born from her, this one that was part of her, she still had to accept the fact that he was a sinless son of God, virgin-born, and she had to accept him as her personal Savior, but he never left that beautiful human relationship, and so he provided for her in a very wonderful, unique way. Well, Dr. Lindstedt, next time, I'd like to continue talking with you about the seven sayings from the cross and talk about the significance of the resurrection. I want to thank you again for being on the program with me today. My pleasure. I look forward to tomorrow. Dr. Rob Lindstedt will continue his presentation on the power of the cross next time. Get the complete two-day presentation on CD by calling 1-800-652-1144. Today in our Resource Center, we are spotlighting Dr. Rob Lindstedt's book, The Power of the Cross. Get the details on the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ in this important work. Order your copy of The Power of the Cross for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Here's Greg Patton with another look at Living in Today's World. So maybe you're like me, always been a big fan of Christmas. Little boy just loved it. 
in my hometown of Roanoke, Indiana. I remember well, at age 12, 12 years of age, I placed second in the citywide lighting contest. Just loved to get out there and decorate. I've thought about, why did I like it so much? Well, things slowed down and got real during Christmas time. My dad, who had a drinking problem, among other things, was a little bit nicer during the Christmas time. I remember him taking me down to Snook's Feed Mill there in Roanoke, Indiana, picked out this beautiful tree. Then we took it inside the building and went to this room, and the guy put on the mask, grabbed this spray unit, and began to flock. I guess that's what they called it. Flock the tree. It turned white, looked like it had been snowed upon. Oh, that was fantastic. Yep, everything about the holidays. You know, it still works today for my kids. I have six. They all love Christmas. They decorate and do all of those things. Now that I have gotten a little bit older, I don't put up the 20,000 lights that I used to around the property here. We made the front page of the local paper one year with all the lights on this old English Tudor home. It was just beautiful. So, do you like Christmas? And if so, why? Many people detest Christmas because some tragedy or perhaps death has happened around the holidays. And by the way, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's a bad time for so many people. More suicides this time of the year than any other. I think you're really excited off times or really discouraged by this time of year. For me, my mind has to go back to 1973, Christmas 1973. I had arrived in Indianapolis, Indiana, WNAP, one of the top rock stations in the country, 50,000-watt rock station, and wow. But while I went down there and escaped the city life in Fort Wayne to the big time of Indianapolis, Indiana, I had something going on. I believe now, after studies and after praying, reading the Word of God, that I was being wooed by the Holy Spirit of God very early. So we got into the fall. Things began to change in my life. And then for the holidays, it was unusual. Everybody came down to Indianapolis to the Patton Place, if you will, to have Christmas. But again, it was different. I was more emotional than usual during this time. I did not know at the time what was happening. I had been to church. I recall that 16-year-old boy inviting me to a church service, a little independent Baptist church, and it was a it was a nice time, and I thought I'm going to go back there sometime. I didn't realize how soon and what would happen. So my parents came down, and my sisters came down, and everybody was there. I remember praying over the Christmas meal, and as I prayed, all kinds of things came to my mind, and I again got very emotional and began to weep. I'm sure the family thought, what is happening with Greg? You know, what was happening is God was moving in my life even at that time, and it was all culminated on December the 31st, 1973. I decided that was as good a time as any. I was going to go to a New Year's Eve party at this little Baptist church. It was to be life-changing, forever-changing Greg Patton from the old man to the new man in Jesus. Have you had that experience? 
Boy, I went to the church service and still high from the Christmas festivities and all that went on there, getting ready for the new year. And I watched a movie in that little Baptist church from Moody Bible Institute on the authenticity of the Word of God, the Bible. That was interesting. I watched the movie in my mind, The Life of Greg Patton, and that wasn't so good. Since about age 12, it was all about me, and that was scary. And now things were beginning to change. My marriage wasn't working too well. Very successful in radio as a disc jockey, but that wasn't going to do it either. Boy, that night it was so exciting to hear the message about God and that He loved me and that He died for me. I remember how long it was invitation. I think they must have done at least 100 verses of Just As I Am before I said, yep, got to do this. If what this man is saying, that God would forgive me of all my sins, my whole past 27 years, if that could all really pass away and be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, what a fantastic life lay ahead, huh? That's where we were, my friend, and all the preacher preached, and then he gave the salvation message and the invitation. So often people get stuck right there. They're ready to do something, but it's so hard. Our pride wells up, and it's so hard to make that move to say yes to Jesus Christ. I thank God. It all started Christmas 1973. God worked on my heart in an unusual way, and it culminated on this New Year's Eve party at this little Baptist church. God spoke to my heart. I said, I got to do this. Down the aisle, there a man met me by the name of Roland Smith and took me to the pastor's office and directed me toward the Word of God. I actually went through what's called the Romans Road. And what a fantastic time. Again, I believed it. And, you know, right up until the end, the devil will fight to keep you from Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, he will. As this young man walked me through the Romans Road, got down to prayer time, he said, I could pray or he would pray, and all I had to do was agree with him. And my pride welled up, and I thought, geez, I'm a big radio star here. I don't need anyone to pray with me. I can talk to God. And we didn't get very far. I said, Father, I said, God, I don't really remember. And it all ended as far as my part went there. I began to cry again. People ask me, why do you think that was? I think it was because I was facing the reality that God was about to pick me up out of the muck and the mire of this old world and set my feet upon a rock. I was about to become a new creature in Christ, and it was almost more than I could handle. I had Rollin Smith pray the sinner's prayer, and I agreed with him all the way through. December 31st, 1973, single greatest day of my life going into the new year. It has been fantastic all of these years, and glory be to God. So I pray that you might pray during this time of the year, my friend, that God would speak to your heart in an unusual way, either for salvation or maybe surrender some area of your life. God is real. He wants you to be real with Him. It's a great way to live and a great way to die. You know, there are thousands of stories living in today's world. This has been one. What really happened at the trial of Jesus? Did the crucifixion make Jesus a victim or victor? Why is the resurrection completely unique to Christianity? 
Find out in Dr. Rob Lindstedt's book, The Power of the Cross. Order your copy today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Rob Lindstedt continues his look at the power of the cross. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.